Welcome to the Creators Adventure, where we interview creators from around the world hearing their stories about growing a business. Today I'm talking with Anthony Trucks about how to make a shift to become the person that you want. If you're at a place where you feel there's a big gap between where you want to be and where you are right now, I'd encourage you to listen to this interview because Anthony brings a ton of motivating and actionable advice. Hey everyone, I'm Brian McAnulty. I'm the founder of Heights Platform. Let's get into it. Hey everyone, we're here today with Anthony Trucks, a former foster child, NFL football player, competitor on American Ninja Warrior, author, shift coach, and entrepreneur. And from foster care to the NFL to successful business owner, Anthony has accomplished what statistics would say is impossible. As a speaker and identity shift coach, Anthony teaches people how to access the power of their identity, to expand their capacity, tap into their full potential, and make shift happen. Anthony, welcome to the show. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. So my first question for you is, this is a new thing I like to ask guests uh, when they're on the show. What would you say is the biggest thing that you did or that you are doing that's helped you achieve the freedom to do the things that you enjoy? Oh, man. Uh, I can do hard work like without freaking out. I Sometimes I teach my, my son right now, but I'm able to do hard things that most people would uh, either pass up on or stop early. And I find ways to to actually find the joy within them. So I'll do them more often. I'll do them longer, more consistently. And that 100% translates to a, a more enjoyable life and what I have in my life right now. Awesome. I think we'll probably end up getting into some more details about that as we go on here. But would you say, like, is that something you, you kind of always felt was like inherent in you or did you kind of discover that at some point? No, I think you build it, man. I, I can't seriously sit here and say I woke up and anybody wakes up and goes, man, I love doing hard things. Like, it's not the normalcy. But as a kid, I, you know, I had a lot of weird stuff in my childhood. And so there's a point in time where I, I was able to create uh, a great outcome in the sports. And so that came from a lot of hard work. And after a while, I started to connect the dots, like the internal dots of if I do something hard, I am better. And so either one of two things, I would feel pride for having done the hard thing and I feel good about myself or the hard work I did translates to something that's an achievement and I'm happy for the achievement. So I equated those two to like, oh, if I do hard things and get a positive outcome. And then the next day of journey was more of like, well, how do I not hate all the hard work the whole time? Right? Because every part of our life is, is riddled with consistent work prior to the achievement. And so if you hate the work leading up, achievements lackluster. So I was like, well, how do I find ways to enjoy this? So then it was more of purposely reframing perceptions on situations to be able to go, oh, that's a thing I might like. I'm going to do same things taking place, but I'm going to look at it like this. And so that was a, a kind of a more built and conditioned perspective over time. Got it. So yeah, we, we read about you and you had a, uh, a very interesting life story. So from foster care to being adopted by an all-white family to becoming a professional NFL player and a coach, on your website, actually, you shared some uh, chilling statistics about foster care kids and how yeah. up to 50% of kids placed in foster care end up homeless upon emancipation, and 75% of prison inmates in the U.S. are actually former foster care kids. Yeah. So can you Good. share a little bit about your story and how you overcame those odds? Yeah, I mean... Uh, it's weird because 
looking back on it, I wouldn't say I overcame them, but I did, right? If you call it that, I'll, I'll make that make more sense. Uh, but I was given away as a kid, obviously, and I, I grew up in a really poor all-white family, so we didn't have very much. And there was a point in time when I think I just got fed up, man. I was, I was, I think, 15 years old. I tried a couple of years of playing the game of football. I was horrible at it. And my adoptive mom got diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. So here I am, you know, my sixth foster home in a situation that didn't feel like I mattered. And I was just, I had this thought of like, this just sucks. I do not like this experience. And what I do know, and I, the logic at least set in for me was, well, if I do nothing, I get more of this. But if I do something, I might get something different. That something different might not be great, but it might be amazing. I was like, well, let me just try to do things. And so it started with me just trying to do things. And so the overcoming part of it, the perspective wasn't to overcome statistics. I didn't know them at the time. The, the, the overcoming was overcoming the crappy feeling I had realizing the only way to do it was just to take different actions. And so that was kind of the way it led forward. And then in hindsight, you go, oh yeah, he overcame the situation. But really it was just like, I just wanted to feel better about myself, man. Got it. So would you say that there's like key points in your life where you, you felt that you had to do that? Yeah, I mean, a lot of different places. So football was the first one. I started the game and I was horrible. But I love the game and we've all done things at points in our life where I go, I'm, I'm inspired by this thing or I'm curious about this thing or what if this took place and our thoughts go wandering and our heart palpitates, it's so amazing. And then we try it. And in trying it, we are met with the realization that we suck at it. Now this happens in many areas. I mean, it happens in the guy picking up the girl, the girl trying to get the guy, you know, this happens in business, it happens in sports, it happens in school, it happens in hobbies. I wanna paint, but I can't, you know, paint a stick figure. So these things take place. And so for me, the first instance of this was when I was playing football for the first time. Tried two years, I was horrible at it. And I did what most of us do. And I go, I'm done with this. And I checked out and I was sleeping in class, not really focusing on anything. I was heading down the path to be one of those statistics you outlined. And then at one point in time, something happened. And I kind of snapped out of it. I was like, I don't want to be that guy, man. I don't want to fast forward my life and look back on my life and go, oh, I'm a criminal or I'm homeless or I'm a bad dad or a bad husband. Like, I gotta do something different. And so it led to me just saying, well, what does, like genuinely, what does a, a person who has a better life or okay, better good at football, what do they do? It first started with football. What does a good football player do? And I found there were certain things that I wasn't doing that a good football player does, which is you know, lift weights, run routes, catch footballs. But I didn't do them because it's like, that's not who I am. I'm not the guy that does that, but I had to do it. And so the, the part of it that was interesting was leading in doing things that did not feel like me. And it's uncomfortable. I'll call it the imposter syndrome, right? We all hear about that. It was this thought that, well, I'm not the person that does that, but the person that does that has the things I want. Well, where, oh, I guess I can't have it. No, you just do those things. So I leaned in and I did those things. And it was, you know, against, I guess, some ridicule from teammates and everybody. But the interesting thing is the more you do something, you make these small deposits of effort and energy each day, the return comes back in confidence, self-esteem, and a sense of, I can do this. It's who I am now. And so that was my first instance of it was football. And then later on, it happened again in college football, happened again in the pros, happened again outside of when I left the game of the NFL. Um, it happened in business, it's happened in relationship, it's happened many, many times where I go, I want this area of my life to improve. I don't feel like the person that does these things. Mm, all right, let's just do these things. And the more you do them, the more you become the person who does those things. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I really like that way of kind of like reverse engineering uh, into looking how how you can become that 
Um, I feel that I'm, I'm doing that myself right now, like in my own business, thinking about like, well, if I wanted to be at this level with our business, what are the things that the companies that are at that level, what are they doing that I'm not doing? Yeah. And mm -hmm. like, how can I do those things? And, and what, do, what do I have to become to do those things? And for me, it's also, it's not been only what do I have to do, but what do I have to stop doing? Because there might be things where I'm spending my time now that is not going to bring me to that ultimate goal. Yeah. No matter what it's going to be for all of us, it's going to be pulling back from, because if you think about it, who we're operating as right now, I'm an identity guy, who we're operating as right now is doing things that's creating this existence, this reality. So if I want a different reality, right, I want to, whatever it is, higher or lower, something has to change. And typically it's going to be, you just said, stopping doing things that feel so congruent with who I am right now. Now, the good things, they got me to this point, but to go higher, something's got to be different. But there's going to be some things I have to stop doing to create space for the things I need to do, right? Maybe it's I got to stop. Maybe for you, you have to stop doing things yourself and start delegating things. That way your yeah. skill set's yeah, not Yeah, it is essentially. I'll, I'll give an example. So yeah, yeah. for me, starting out in business, um, I started my company when I was uh, about 18 years old. Um, I guess around 19, like 2009 is when we started as a web design yeah. studio. And I always had this thought that like, I want to be always like within reach of everybody. I want to respond to every single email, no matter what. And I still really deeply have a care for my customers. I want to be able to interact with them as much as possible, but yeah. it's, it's just not possible at a certain level because yeah. I could just only do that all day and I would never get anything done. And no. so eventually I, I did learn how to delegate that. We have a support team and, and all that now, of course, but, um, Still, I, I got to the point that now I guess I went almost a little bit too far where like there's too much in my personal email that I just had to say like, well, what if I ignore it? What would what would happen? Um, yeah. And at, at first I realized, well, nothing really bad happens if there's a support thing and goes to our support team. Um, mm -hmm. But still, like there's opportunities that, that are going to be important. So I'm figuring yeah. out, OK, well, where's the pieces of that that are important that I can make sure I have time for where I can delegate? And, and how can I move that forward? So it was a that was one example, I guess, of a big shift of something that That's a big one. early on you think is, oh, this is super important to my identity, to what I have to do in business, into what actually ends up being completely different. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing is, is your company has an identity outside of you, right? And if you were the one that developed that identity to begin with, all you have to do is train someone to maintain the identity, right? Just interact the same way you did. I mean, as a customer, they don't know you used to be part of it. You know, they just, it's like, oh, this is my email from this person who's part of the company. And then you have the delegation portion. Like for you, I would get somebody that's a, a VA or a team person inside of your email that's going to help you not spend time on the things that don't matter. And they, you know, give them boundaries and, and you know, certain stipulations of here's what I do want to see, here's what I don't want to see. And then yep. even have some, it's a separate decision maker to where the things that get to your brain are the ones that are only important and really will, will dial in. And the reason is you're not sitting there with somebody doing that, twiddling your thumbs. You're not hanging out with my ties. You're doing the work that moves the company ahead, that creates the vision, that keeps the vision in place, that tells people what it should look like. And then now the delegation is not just doing a job. It's like making the vision come to life. But if you're bogged down in emails, you can't spend time in that visionary space. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And, um, like, you know, you've probably heard how, like, uh, they say, like, Steve Jobs and Mark Zuckerberg, like, they wear this specific outfit all the time to not have yeah, to worry about that kind of thing. Um, I don't know if you have yeah. to go that far with certain things, but I do agree that there yeah. is this 
fatigue of making decisions throughout the day. It is. Um, yeah. And the more decisions that you don't have to make that somebody else can make for you, and the that gives you the ability to focus on the decisions that you do have to make that yeah. will move the company, the brand, your life, whatever you want uh, forward. Yeah, that, that, and the thing is, while we're talking about that from the standpoint of, let's say, you know, CEO level, this is something that every human being that's in any operation needs to think about. So the decision fatigue aspect does tie into, to, let's say, the person who's a regular employee, right, just regular job, yep. or the entrepreneur. And here's, here's how it does. For a lot of us, we have certain hours of the day. Inc. Magazine did a study and found out that in an eight-hour day, most of people are able to do, on average, two hours and 53 minutes of work. Let's say three hours. So you're talking about an eight-hour day, three hours. Well, in that three hours, what are you doing? Well, most people, they're wasting time. They're, they're not doing you know, perfect, amazing work. It's because what happens is they're deciding what I should do. And here's why it's important. If I get up in the morning and I have a certain tank to, to deal with, if I have to go, well, do I get a workout in? Do I do my meditation? Do I eat breakfast? Um, you know, do I make, get these emails back? Do I, I'm asking questions and I'm deciding, should I? So by 12 o'clock, whatever, I'm smoked. My brain's done. I can't do much more work. But if you say, I am the kind of person, identity stuff, I'm the kind of person that gets an email in. I do my meditation. I eat a solid breakfast. It's who I am. I'm not deciding to do it. It's just what happens because that's who I am now. And then when it comes to noon, while somebody else has smoked, I still got 80% of my tank. So over a long haul, let's say that there's a, a, you know, say a full eight hour day, right? Where you can get three hours, I can get six. And so at the end of the year, I have two years to year one of productive work. Who gets ahead? And the only separation is that decision tank. And I think for me, identity is a big thing of how do I get you to get to a level of doing things that are difficult because it's who you are, not because it's a forceful thing anymore. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. So I want to go into a little bit more about this, how um, so in your coaching business, you help people kind of understand uh, who they are and help them shift their identity to reach their goals. Can mm -hmm. uh, you walk us through the process of how you would help somebody from that point of realizing that they need to make a change, um, then understanding who they are, and then actually making that shift? Yeah. Well, I don't think people, I need to tell you that you need to make a change. When you come to me, you realize you're not operating at full potential, right? There's a another level to expand into. And that's, that's everybody, man. We all have those levels. Some of us are comfortable where we're at. And some of us go, you know what? I, I want more. I know I can do more. I'm more intelligent. I'm more skilled than that person. But they're having, what's the difference? And it's usually not an intelligence thing. It's a who are you with the intelligence? And so for me, I step in and go, let's take a look at who you are. And we have actual like frameworks that unpack in visual aspects and numerically who you are in 10 different areas of life. And so you can see, oh, that's why I'm not having a, a solid harmony with my work and my, my marriage, or I'm not in great shape, or what, I can see it. Then you go, okay, great. Now, this is who you are now. Who do we want to be, right? We have to actually go, I tell people, you have to find individuals living in life in a way that you admire, and then take a look between the lines of like, what are they actually doing? How do they dial in? And then you go, okay, great, I see that. And at first you're gonna go, oh, that's not me. Yeah, yeah, I know, we talked about this. I know it's not who you are. We're gonna make it who you are. Well, how do we do that? Same as everything else in life, actions, man, actions and suffering. And so what we want to do is realize that all the things we're talking about, it's at like a neurological level. There's a way that we are wired right now. There's a way that we are, um, we think through things, problems, opportunities, the way we see situations, our brain is literally triggered. So the way, if, a, if a, a black cat walked across the screen right now, me and you both would process it differently. And so it's a wiring, it's happened through our life. And so. I go, well, how did that wiring happen? Because that wiring is what's going to shift us. And I go, well, 
experiences, man. That's it. Life experiences has we have wired who we are and will rewire who we are. So now if I go, it's who I am, so I want to be, and I'm wired in a certain way, well, what do I do? Actions, which are experiences, are going to rewire us. So we just want to create an experience in a window of time that will guide you to do the actions, the habits, and build to where eventually, where you go, that's oh, not who I am. You go, oh, I'm the kind of guy that does that. And all it is was just a series of actions and habits over time. And that's the curated, architected, like really track thing. Because if you can create it intentionally, it's different than any other part of life. Because most of us, it happened accidentally. You started this company and you realize I got some problems. You're forced to create something in like a window of time. And okay, cool. I got that done. Okay, what's the next one, right? As opposed to going, let me look down the road a year, two years from now. What's it going to look like? Who do I need to become? All right, what actions do I need? What habits do I put in place? How do I want to rewire myself? Boom, I'm going to do it intentionally this time. That's a whole different way of pursuing the future. Yeah, I like that. I like the example where you just said uh, of how, like, for me, like, that would force me into making the change, right? So I think that the the shift itself, that's the hard part. Um, once you make that, mm -hmm. that new pattern and and those new experiences to just be that successful person it's not hard to be that successful person it's hard to, to shift in the process there so what yeah, i like to tell some of our customers and creators is that to kind of help yourself along there is what can you do that will put you in a situation where you're forced to have to make that change yeah. and so like an example is like that a lot of people i see with course creators in particular they don't get their course launched that's like the biggest reason I see people fail. Yeah, not true. because their marketing's not good or something like that. It's just because they never actually got it out there. So yeah, I know if you can get it out there and get even one person to buy it, to talk with you or something like that, as soon as that happens, now you have that, that one customer and they're asking, asking you about things. They're saying, hey, well, can you tell me about this? Or, hey, I wish your, your program had this. And now you're in this position that you're forced to improve it, where before, you were just used to your day-to-day -day patterns. Oh, I'll get to that someday. And But if you can get yourself that one customer, get that product out there, now you're forced to make progress. So yeah, um, I guess I would say to the... you is um, like it's common for people to come up with excuses of how they mm -hmm. can either assign some label to themselves or say that like, oh, I'll get to this the next day. Um, yeah. How can people detach themselves from that and, and kind of yeah. overcome those excuses? Well, there's one question I like to ask myself uh, that is actually one that leads in, and then I'll give you a more structural one, but we'll call it the philosophical one is there's a person that, that actually is doing this, right? So I would tell somebody, find somebody that you know that is at a level you want to be at. Maybe it's you, uh, maybe it's somebody that they see that's in your, in your curriculum or sorry, it's inside your, your, your company that's creating products like they want to create. And in the moment when you're supposed to do something, ask yourself, well, what would Brian do in this moment right now? And the reason I asked that question is because people know what you would do if they've watched you enough, they've paid attention enough, they know what you would do and it would, it would outline for them an action. Now they may not like the action, it may be scary, but they know what the action is, right? But if I ask them, go, what would future self do? Well, the problem is people can't actually see future self. The studies that actually show you can't actually connect to that person the same way. So if you do that, you're just gonna be connected to the person that wants to make you feel comfortable. So you go, oh, that person would go and make more business cards and you know create more, no, they wouldn't. <laughs> like that future self, you don't know what they would do, but I know what Brian would do, he'd launch the stupid thing. You know, like, so there's this level there. Now I, I take it back to another level and I go, well, why, why is someone not feeling comfortable putting into the world? 
typically it's because they haven't actually you know taken the step and so there's this feeling of well what if i put this out and, and somebody buys it they don't like it they want their money back and i feel bad i go that's a possibility but usually it's not the case because the information you have is so much greater but also here's the thing i have this this uh, theory it's uh it's one we're, we're building out and it really ties to the work i was just talking about i call that that window of time when you're creating an experience a dark work experience I believe that we have to do certain work in the dark that allows us to shine in the light. When I was 15 years old and I sucked at football, I got the NFL eventually because one window of time at 15 years old, I went to the dark, man. I did unsexy, unsupported, uns like unseen work. But I tell you, man, the deposits allowed me to come to the next moment of life when I was on the stage and go, I have done too much work in the dark for you to take what's mine in the light. There is no way I'm going to have all this effort be wasted. Are you kidding? That's my football, my touchdown, my tackle. That's a mentality, right? But that yeah. is, it's, it's what I call dark energy. I have built that. I deposited to where my return was. I'm going to grip my teeth and take what's mine. Now, how does that tie to course creation, right? Well, I find that if, if you look at any athlete, myself included, like when it was game day, if I'd sweated and killed myself, I couldn't wait to get in the field. Put me in the game. Let's go to work, right? Not, I don't know if I'm like, what if I do? No, let's go, right? So I go, well, if someone doesn't feel comfortable putting the course out, what dark work haven't you done? Mm. Where, where have you not deposited enough to where you are chomping at the bit to put it out there? That might mean doing more surveys, asking more questions, having more people try it, getting more weird feedback before it goes to the, to the true light of the world and you market it. But there'll be a point in time when you put it out there and you've gotten so much feedback and you've done so much work, research, study that you go, oh, the world's, this is going to be amazing. I got to get it in people's hands. Hey, so now that's a complete 180 from I don't launch it because of fear of imposter syndrome or what if it goes wrong to where I, I can't not put this out because I'm hurting people's lives by not. And that is yeah. not a matter of simply just, it's what dark work have you done? Yeah, that's really powerful. Um, I, I feel I've went through a shift in that in the, the past year or so myself where I, I see myself as a, a more introverted personality. I don't particularly like being like the center of stage and, and making videos, doing things like that. But I realized inside myself that I have these things that I want to share and I have this product that I've built that I have to tell people about it. It's, it's my duty to, to tell people about it yeah. because if people don't see this, if people don't learn this, then that effort's a waste. And so I've learned yeah. that I'm, I'm doing what I'm doing because it's helping others. It's not about me wanting to, to be on a video or not. It's about mm -hmm. the impact that I want to create for others. I get it, man. I, it's funny you're saying that because I this, this this morning I I just I'm traveling around a lot. I just got off the stage yesterday in Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm now in California from a speech. And, and my wife and I we have businesses that no one knows, right? We have you know real estate kind of stuff that we do, and so like I don't have to do this. I don't have to. But the thought of me not it goes, man. Then who was missing out on the ability to take what I've experienced and change their life? I was given a certain set of skills and abilities, not like, you know, uh, Liam Neeson in, in the movie, but like I'm, but I have these skill sets and I'm like, man, I, I, I feel like when I do this, the love I get is from someone saying, thank you, this changed my life. And so there's a certain point at which you work into a level where it is beyond you, but it's still for you, right? It's beyond me getting the full benefit, but I love the thank yous. I love the appreciation. I love watching somebody get what they get done. So for me, it's like, I can't not. And when you when you put something out after a while, it is partially like I can't let's go to waste, but also I can't hinder somebody's life from being better because I just want to sit at my house and kick my feet up. So I, I jump into the world and do this kind of stuff. 
because I love the transformation people's lives have from it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and I, I like the point that you mentioned earlier also about like this, uh, how people want to be comfortable and and kind of get stuck in like a rut of that almost because I feel like psychologically, everybody wants to avoid feeling bad. Uh, everybody yes, wants do. to avoid having something bad to that happen to them. They, they just want to feel comfortable. And so yeah, that's I, bad. I would say like another way to look at everything that you're saying here is that um, if you can see that goal that you have and if it gets to a point that you realize you would be more uncomfortable from not going through the discomfort to try to reach that goal than to just sit there and and go about your life, then that's what can help kind of push you forward into making something yeah. happen. It's a lot of things. There's a lot of things, man. You know what's funny is because we're such investment biased humans, if we just give the work, we will not let ourselves not get the return. Right? If say you go to the store and uh, you know there's I don't know there's a hot dog stand outside. If you give them $3, are you gonna walk away? No, even if you're not hungry. Say, I'm, I'm gonna give you $3. I'm gonna get the hot dog, I'm gonna give it to somebody. I'm gonna give it to some, you know, I'm gonna do something with it because I gave the investment. And so for us, we're going, I want the feeling of confidence, the feeling of the, you know, I, I want that feeling. I go, well, you don't get it unless you invest, man. You have to give the energy and effort. And typically that energy you give is not fueled by the emotion you design. Think about love. like. I have three kids. One's going to college here in like three days. It's crazy. Wow. And when this kid was born, all of them were born. All they were doing is pooping, eating, crying all day long. And you'd think, well, why? What's your kid? It's why you love it. And I go, really? Let's think about this. Because even if it wasn't my kid, if I'm feeding this animal, whatever it is, and they're pooping, crying, they're giving me nothing in return, well, what? What is the thing of developing love? Well, it's my investment. I'm changing diapers. I'm soothing the child. I'm helping it go to sleep. I'm feeding it. So over time, this investment gets a return of the feeling and the connection of love. Therefore, I'll go to bat. I'll die for this thing. And so if you think about that same thing, the motion of love didn't usually start that. It was like, oh, I'm tired, but I got to feed this thing, right? You, but you do it. And after a while, you get this loving feeling. And that really is what emotions are built off of. So if you want the emotion of confidence, the emotion that feels powerful to go kick into the world, you have to deposit. And the deposit is going to be effort. It's going to be reading more, researching more, dialing more things in, going to social media, testing more ideas to make sure they're clear and solid. And then putting it out there and getting feedback and taking the lumps. But when you've given that thing out to the world five times, taking five lumps, man, you just, I, I can't let all that be for nothing. I want the return of confidence and you get that little by little. And so where most people are, they're stuck at step one. It's like step one is the step that you need to take because it's the first of a hundred. But I tell you, every step you take makes every step after it easier because you now go from the point of like, it was hard to do where it's hard not to do it anymore. Yep. Got it. All right. So I want to talk about a little bit what happens when things kind of go wrong. So um, you uh, basically you turned your life around. You started playing in NFL, but you still had these yeah. moments of doubt. Um, we read about how like there's times when you wanted to quit. Um, you mm -hmm. even thought about actually ending your own life um, after your yeah. gym business failed. Um, if you think about like these moments in your life where you really get down, what helped you come back up and would you say that there's any pattern in like the way of thinking that you could share with our audience of people who are experiencing a similar emotion yeah. where they just feel like everything kind of brought them down 
everything in it all sucks, man. I thought, yeah, so I, I, I mean, yeah, if I had the NFL go down and then I had, you know, my marriage fell apart and I wasn't a good father. And so I was like, no, nah, I don't want to, I'm done with this life thing, you know, at one point and it all sucks. And I mean, it, business stuff, you know, it's all been all over the place. But I will tell you this, man, usually what takes place in those moments of like the dark, it's this feeling of helplessness and hopelessness. Like I, I have no hope, therefore it's like, why even try? Nothing can get better, right? And then the helpless means even if I do try something, I can't, it's not gonna pan out, it never does, right? Which ties to kind of the hope. And I think every time that I was really in the bottom, that's where I kind of drifted off to. And so for me, I realized if I wanna get out of those places, I need to find a way to, to create hope and to create a little bit of a feeling of control, right? How can I not feel helpless, but feel like I have some power, even if a small amount, and how can I create hope? And so what I noticed was whenever I was, and we all get in these dark modes, the first thing we do is we pull back from society. We tuck ourselves away to our holes. We want to interact with nobody because I don't want to be a burden to my best friends and my people, right? I don't want to make their life less than because I'm in a funky mood. And so I pull away, which is interesting because think about when you're a human being and someone comes and you goes, hey, man, I'm having a bad day. You go, let's talk about it because we want to help, Right. So we, in our heads, we're thinking people are going to be rude to us and they want to hear our problems. But in reality, everybody loves to have that like, oh, you, you want to have me help you in your dark time? Let's go. Like, hey, how can I help? Right. So there's that mentality to it. And also, here's a cool thing is when people have conversations, when I confide in somebody, they have a different perspective. I believe perspective precedes enlightenment, the aha moments. And when someone can see my problem different than my brain has perceived it, because me and you, if you, again, if you put one problem out here, we'd find a million different, different ways to solve it because your brain's different than mine. You have a new perspective. And in doing so, you, my brain goes, oh, I never thought of it that way. Hope. So when I'm in those dark times, I reach out to people. I have conversations. I, I let people in. And because if I can get around you, you can give me a new perspective. It'll give me a little bit of hope. So I have this, not hopelessness. I'm hopeful. I go, oh, and something can be better. And then I can also lean on people to get help to work on this thing, I can find some control. And then a third thing of it all is in the dark times is I borrow joy from people. Because usually when you go around your friends in a funky mood, they go, oh, let's go get some ice cream, right? And they, they bring their joy to the situation and you, you get a little bit of it. So you go back to your life a little bit more joyful. You borrow some. And the reason I say borrow, not take is because at some point when it's high enough, you'll find that someone notices you and you get to pass it on to them. And so when people go into those, those places you're talking about, you got to step back and go, man, I can't I can't silo myself. I've got to reach out to humanity, interact with people and then borrow some joy. Awesome. I, I want to say that I think uh, you're spot on with all this because I have an example literally from yesterday. I was talking with somebody mm. and um, and they were really down about something. And um, it was exactly what you said, that they were concerned that they they didn't want to tell me they didn't want to tell others about that how they were feeling and and everything they thought like we're gonna push them away and i said no like i, I want to help you I, I wouldn't i wouldn't want you to be here and i'm not gonna say like oh because you're you're feeling bad i don't want you to be here if, if anything i'd rather you be involved with this you know and so yeah. it was that same kind of thing that um uh it, when someone's down like uh reaching out to somebody, the person you're reaching out to, they, they want to encourage that. They're, they're not going to say like, oh, you're, you're depressed. I, I don't want to help you. I don't want to talk with you. So yeah. I like that example. Yeah, man, it's, it's real life. It's a, the thing is, as I say this, a lot of us can all go, oh yeah, that has happened. But it's funny that our brains in real time, we don't process that. We see so much and don't see the same things. Like we'll be present and seeing it. 
but doesn't register sometimes. So a lot of like my time is spent like thinking through moments I've already relived and go, what didn't I see in this? What, what, what was not aware? And I, I guess it's some kind of like psychology, if you want to call it studying, but it's like, it's pretty common sense when you really step back and look at it, kind of like a comedian does. If you think mm-hmm. about what's funny with comedians, they just look at real life and they frame it up in ways that are different that you never notice. And I go, that's hilarious. I've experienced that, but I never saw it that way. It's the same thing for all of us in life. Yeah, that's a, that's a great uh, analogy comparing it to the com- comedian there. So uh, it seems like your, your latest shift happened kind of when you realized you want to give back and help others. Um, and mm-hmm. that seems like it led you to pursue this coaching career. And yeah. can you tell us a little bit about the, uh, the coaching business? I know we touched on it before, but who would you say is like your ideal client and how would you help them? Yeah, man, I, you know, ideal clients interesting because they always go like, I can help everybody and I can, but you can't at the same time. Because if you talk to everybody, you talk to nobody. The individuals I work best with are those who are executives, entrepreneurs, or athletes. And not to say that everybody else can't get something in there, but those individuals have a different tick for how they desire to be you know, better in some capacity. Uh, but the tools that I use, they cover the basis for every human being that has an identity, right? So everybody. And most people aspire to be the athletes, the executives, and the entrepreneurs, right? So it fits in the same pocket. But I, I like to work with people who go, you know what? I can be better. And that's the first part of it. Like just someone who's like, I can be better. Cause there's this, this thought that like, you're okay as you are. And like, ah, no, am I though? <laughs> like I could always get better and stuff in every aspect. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think football taught me this mentality of most of us assume that if somebody finds a flaw or, or a problem, you're horrible all of a sudden. And I go, well, I played football. And every day we would go out to the football field as some of the best athletes in the world. But after practice, I'd watch film of, of things I messed up on. Was I a horrible player? No, I should have worked on that. Hey, line up more to the left. Hey, strike here differently. You got to get the edge. You got to see this thing. I didn't think, oh, I can't ever go to the field again. No, I just said, okay, when I go to the field, already thinking I'm dope, here's how I can be more dope, you know? And yeah, so it, I think it's almost exciting to make those discoveries. Yeah. Because now you say, this thing. is how I can improve. I was, I'm working yes. on getting better, and now I've discovered how I can improve. Exactly. So part of it for a lot of people, just can you go in there and go, I can be... I can critique myself without being self-critical. Like, that's the thing. Can you, can you be critiquing of yourself in a way that doesn't make you think, oh, I'm horrible, right? But then once that's done, the way that, that's part of our coaching structure is having someone come with that mindset. And we help build it in, but then really what I step into and go, okay, great, what I talked about earlier, where are you at, where do you wanna go, how do we create the experience to get you there? How do I teach you to rewire your, your brain? Because rewiring is an experience, and part of the experience also is achievements. So we work with people like they're actually achieving things, but that achievement goes, oh, you can do this. You are better at this. Here's a better way to think through this. So by the time that we've worked through something in the back end, they have got a great achievement. They've either made more money, they fix a relationship, they feel better about themselves, but they also at the same time, they, they have the ability to do it again. There's this great statement I heard recently. I don't even remember who said it, but he says, the first million is difficult. The second million is inevitable because it's not about the achieving of a million dollars it's the becoming of the person character wise you know intelligence wise work ethic production who can make the million dollars when you do that yeah you make the million it's hard to become that person but then you naturally do the things that just make it inevitable for the next one to come in and so when i work through things with people i am helping them become that person that has the achievement it's difficult the first time but the next ones are inevitable because you just become the person who does those things so we guide people through a process. I, I call it a dark work experience. I helped architect, 
and I help execute and track that specific experience that leads you to that point of rewiring and achieving simultaneously. Awesome. So when a new client starts working with you, would you say that there's like a common thread or a misconception that they share that's blocking them from potentially shifting their yeah. identity? <laughs> the common thread is uh, something I heard Tony Robbins say. He says, most people's problem is they think they shouldn't have problems. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people come in and, and won't go to the base of it. I, I, I've heard this thing also in a statement. It goes, it's hard to see the label when you're inside of the jar. And so a lot of us, we live in this jar and we don't realize what we're really being shown to the world as, you know. And so what happens is that as I work with people and I'll point out this thing I notice, and the ego rears its head big time. Oh, I'm good at that. I don't need any help. Ah, you know, so the EGO, everyone's greatest obstacle, it's their ego. So the kind of golden thread is I know I can be better, but the moment that I'm shown something that I need to improve upon, I will block everything to make sure I don't have to admit I have a chink in my armor. It'd be like me going to the football field i got the, i did a play i go to film coach says you should have lined up here no i, I should have over here i don't know i don't talk about it. i could do this over here. and like being abrasive when really i've been i should have been like ah oh, you're right i should have been there the moment someone can get to that point oh we're golden but getting people to to be okay being wrong man that's a problem because you think about all of our life we don't do that if you're in an argument with your wife or your, your spouse you don't immediately go you're right most of the time you battle for your position even if you're wrong <laughs> like People will still battle even if they're wrong. So like that does carry to other parts of your life. It's a label most people don't notice is you will defend your position even in the face of glaring proof you're incorrect, surely to not be out of alignment or wrong. And so if you're so engaged with this mentality of I gotta be right, you'll stay right where you're at. That's a great point. I, I do think um, myself, I feel that um, my ability to forget about the the ego and and let that all go to the side has been something that's been a driver for some of the success that I've had um, oh, 100% and like definitely like love you are. like it's not saying like you have to still have it's okay to have this goal and, and want to achieve something but at the same time mm -hmm. as you said you have to be able to say like oh am I wrong here and just be willing to look into that without having to feel that you have to defend some identity that you have to be right all the time. So I like that. Yeah. Well, if you think about this, I want to make sure this is clear too. Ego isn't a bad thing. It just is. And I think a lot of us have framed it because we usually experience it or notice it more in the negatives, right? So the, the ego is protecting mm -hmm. parts of your identity. Your identity is expressed through actions, right? And I express myself differently in my marriage, in this podcast, my kids, you know, even in business. So what happens is that identity is being protected again by the ego. Now, parts of the identity are great. My identity is the guy that goes, I'm going to be here on time, ready to go with my tea. So when me and Brian go to work, like we're here, right? That's part of my ego saying, that's who Anthony is. Protect that part of the identity. But then let's say I walk out of here and I go uh, into the house of my wife and my identity is expressing itself poorly as a husband because she needs something. I go, ah, it's your own problem, right? It'll still protect that part of my identity. And if it's a poor part of identity. So the thing is the ego is just a protector. So your questions, most people should be, what kind of identity is it protecting? What segment is it protecting? And does that deserve to be protected? So for your business now, there's no way you create something you've created at the level you have without having to remove parts of your identity that go, you know what? I'm not the best for that role. The company needs someone smarter than me there, better than me there, right? That's a part of the ego peeling back going, I cannot protect the part of the identity that says, I gotta do everything or we're gonna not help anybody. So that is definitely something you had to have done over time 
But when you do it more intentionally, like if you go into your life now and start looking at where in my world am I very adamant about holding something, some ground, what am I protecting? And then where can that be better for the future of my career, of my life, my relationships? You'll start navigating conversations different. You'll start seeing like you can actually create more sheerly by going, let me peel back the ego and find a way to improve this area. It's an awesome explanation. I really like that. So I think that's a, a good place to wrap it up. But cool. one last question I have for you. One thing we like to do on the show is have each of our guests ask a question to the audience. So right. if you could ask anything to our audience, anything you'd want to know about them, um, about um, where they are, about anything you're just curious about, what would you ask them? What would I ask them? Uh, I would add, oh, here's one I would ask. Uh, and it has to do with people's life. Uh, live what they see and perceive is what is your scale for success? And the reason I ask that question is most of us are borrowing the world's scale and we're going to completely feel let down every time we achieve because the world's scale is never ending. So even if you do achieve something, someone will come in and go, but you could have done more. And so the question I ask people is, have you ever stepped aside and written down your own personal scale for success? So when you achieve it, even when, not if, when the world goes, but you could have done more. You can look at it and go, yeah, but I did more than enough for what I wanted. Awesome. That's a great question. Uh, good thing to, uh, to think about. All right, Anthony, well, this is a great interview. Where can people find you online if they want to learn more? Yeah, best place is at Anthony Trucks on Instagram. I, that's where I'm at personally. It's been a long time. We're on all the platforms and everything, but that's where I spend my time communicating with people. All right, awesome. Thanks so much, Anthony. Welcome, man. Thank you. If you enjoyed this interview and want a chance to ask questions to our guests live, tune in on Tuesdays when new episodes premiere on the Heights Platform Facebook page. To learn more about the show and get notified when new episodes release, check out thecreatorsadventure.com. Until then, keep learning, and I'll see you in the next episode.